Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, welcome to the Adam Ruins Everything podcast. I am Adam Conover. You may know that I host a show on True TV called Adam Ruins Everything, where, uh, among other things, I talk to some very interesting people. Well, on this podcast, I talk to those very interesting people for longer. Sometimes they're experts from the world of science or mathematics or even outer space. But sometimes they're comedians, which is what they are today. My guest today is Emily Axford. I am so excited for you to hear our conversation. She is one of my best friends in comedy. Uh, she is also a very big part of the show. If you've seen the show, you've seen her, you love her, you know she's incredible. She is one of the most talented people I have ever had the pleasure of working with. In fact, we started together at College Humor when I started there way back in 2011. And she is, like, first of all, in addition to being very funny, very talented, and just a crackerjack ukulele player, she's also one of the chillest people. People I've ever met. She is very difficult to ruffle. She has a very easygoing, awesome way of looking at the world. I always love talking to her. So she is very fitting that she would be the first comedian guest on this show. Uh, we talk about big things. We talk about small things. We start big. We get small. There are some weird parts in there, but I know you'll enjoy them. Anyway, let's just take it away. Here's the conversation. Uh, hello, Emily. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Do you feel okay? <laughs> I, I feel good. <laughs> you feel good? I feel good. I feel like a little frazzled. Like I said, I feel scrambled. I'm a scrambled egg. We were just on set for 12 hours. Yep. We got up at 5.30 a.m. Yep. Um, we wore pointy shoes and walked around. <laughs> and <laughs> Read a lot of lines for the upcoming episode, Adam Ruins Shopping Malls. Okay. Oh, so we're allowed to tell them. I don't care about spoilers for this show. Um, yeah, that's that's true. Last year, but you were... don't want to spoil a fact, though. No, no. Well, yeah, I don't want to spoil a fact. We won't spoil the facts, but okay. it takes place in a mall, and, and we no. talk about different misconceptions that go on there. Um, and but... I ruined something. Oh, yeah, you ruined something again, which is, do you like to do that? <laughs> I love to do it. <laughs> I love it because I get to act smug. I was saying this to you on set today. I get to act smug and self-satisfied, but like when you're acting that way, you start to actually feel that way. <laughs> and then like at one point today, I was like, we were about to do a take, and I was feeling really good about myself, and I was like, oh, no, I'm just acting and believing my <laughs> acting too much. It is weird that I've never acted before other than on this show and like just comedy sketches and things, but I'm like, oh, when you act, you kind of feel the way that you feel. Yeah, after the first day of shooting Death, when oh, like yeah. Paul Briganti, the director of that episode, he just came out so innocently and was like, yeah, just like really, really feel it. Really yeah. feel it. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then like, it was just too much to feel. <laughs> it was like, put your toe in that puddle. And then you put your toe in the puddle and it's actually like a huge lake or something like that. And then I, I went home and I met up with a friend and she brought over red wine. Mm-hmm. And then I just got wasted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after that scene? Yeah, after the first time that Paul asked me to, like, yeah. really feel it. And I, like, 
shooting that scene was one of the most incredible experiences I had. I've had as a performer because I was just like, there was like a hush over the room the first time that the character gets emotional. Everyone <laughs> sort of knew there was something happening. Everything like hushed up a little bit. And it was very like powerful and kind of spooky. I've just done been in dumbass shit sketches my whole yeah. life. Yeah, you know? it was really funny because I felt like everyone treated me like something really was going on with me, and I <laughs> I like didn't know what to do because I would just be like. You know, I'm supposed to be sad. So I would like be, try to be sad in a corner, but then I just was like, oh, people probably think I'm like really actually sad. Well, you were, I remember you were kind of, you seemed like you were kind of embarrassed, which was striking to me because yes, it was. It a, was very embarrassing. Except that it was also like a really great performance. I was like, oh my God, Emily's incredible at this. Yeah, you but know? remember, I've also only been in shit sketches. So that was the first time that like yeah. I wasn't getting laughs. Yeah. And I was like, this is wrong. I'm doing something wrong. No one's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then three days later, I had to cry in yeah. my own in my own part at the end of that episode. I was very nervous about that because I've never played anything like that. And by the way, they put teardrops in your eyes, or at least for me, they did. Not they didn't have to for bitch. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never let me forget it. <laughs> it feels like humiliating to have them put the eye drops in your eyes. Like it feels like you're cheating. Yeah, it feels like you're. It I feels bet. like you're taking steroids. Well, I was cheating though because for there was one scene where I just like. Paul was like, feel it. And I was like, okay, I'll feel it. And then I felt it. Um, but then there was another part where I was like, oh, God, I got to cry again. And then I was like, what if I can't do it again? And I was like super in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I watched a video of like a man like singing a song to his dying wife. And then I was like, oh, okay, nope, no, I don't need to worry. It's going to happen. I remember that you used to watch, you watched that video. I was watching before it take. before every take. And I was just like it's the sad. I like even video. talking about it right now. I'm like, it's so sad. It's trying a, to smile big enough that the tears go back and hide. It, it's a video of like two 95 year olds, and it's a man singing to his wife, right? Yeah. And she's on her deathbed, and he's singing her very sweetly, like a song from, it's got to be from like 1935, oh, like, yeah. like an extremely old. And he's just like, when I see in the sky it's just like the quietest and he's like barely even singing it and she's like i love you and like caressing his hand and it's so private and personal it's like the most emotion porn i've ever it like it it felt like very not dirty to watch but too intimate well here's what i kept telling myself because yes i did have the feeling of like is this really fucked up that i'm like using this but then i was like you know what these people put this video on the internet because it's them grieving death, so they want to put it out there to be mm-hmm. like, help other people grieve death. And I'm using it to then try and act as someone grieving death. So, like, <laughs> we're all trying to help each other grieve death. You know what I was also during during that episode was... I was kind of just trying to think about death a lot. So also in between takes, I downloaded the Pinterest app to my phone and I would search death. And there's all these like really cheesy quotes about death. So uh, I would just like read those. Oh Not God. like minion like, memes. Death is like a moment in your life you'll never have again. It's when you die. That's when you know who your true friends are. <laughs> that- <laughs> Yeah, it's really spiteful, really spiteful quotes That's about death. That's me freestyling death on a Pinterest is quote. is a test for other people to fail. <laughs> and it's like a minion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then everyone's aunt shares it. What is your relationship with death? You said that episode. Oh, like, I just was... loved it. I don't know why. It really pumps me up. The idea of death pumps you yeah. up? Yeah. In what way? 
I don't know. I think it just makes everything feel completely unimportant in an mm. exciting way. Ooh. Like, I love the idea. I think about mass extinction all the time. I think mm. about the extinction of the human species. I think wow. about asteroid collisions or all the various ways that the world could end. Mm-hmm. And it makes me excited because then just, like, nothing matters whatsoever, but in, like, an exhilarating way. It's like when you, yeah. like, have plans and then those plans get canceled <laughs> and you're just like, I can do whatever I want today. That's what thinking about death makes me feel about life. Well, it makes you feel like you don't need to take the real world so seriously or the, yeah. or the daily life. Like a sort of a transcendent thought, like it takes you out of the day to day and you think on a long enough time scale, it's all going to end. So I don't need to worry so much. Yeah, I guess I like feeling small and unimportant. I think that's a common thing. I think that's why people like churches and God. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's and it's very important to be reminded that you're small and people. That's why people like nature and yeah. the, and they like. But different people have different relationships with you know with that feeling, right? Yeah, like some people use God to feel more important. Probably. Exactly, right? Some people are like, well, no, we must be the center. I am the center. God loves me personally, yeah. you know. Like that's some people's emotional reaction to it, and then some people's emotional reaction to death is that. It horrifies mm-hmm. them. I think I feel relief. Other people feel like horror. And you feel terror. relief? I do feel relief yeah, when I think I about that. Relief. You know, we just had Caitlin Doty, the expert from that episode, on, yeah. on the show last weekend. Man, she, she was awesome. Yeah, she's so cool. And she had written something. I, if you're listening to the last episode, you heard this. But if you haven't, here it is again. That, like, when someone dies, it's like all of their worries and pain are gone. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's a nice way to think about it. You know? like Yeah. I think I like it also because it just completely negates your narrative. Like, I don't know. Like, everyone's so obsessed with their own narrative. And it's like, I am this person and I need to achieve this and I need to leave this kind of mark. But then it's like, yeah, you're leaving that kind of mark for other people who are also going to die. And everyone's (laughs) like, you're going to get forgotten at some point. Yeah. And it's probably going to be way sooner than you think it's going to be. So if you just are like... Humanity's going to become extinct unless you're like one of the people that got put into like Carl Sagan's little like floating time capsule. Like, Wait. you're going to get forgotten. What is this time capsule? <laughs> Didn't Carl Sagan make a time capsule? Maybe. Of like the human culture? Did he, of did human he store culture? souls in it? What? <laughs> what? Just body parts for aliens <laughs> to put together. Unless you're in Carl Sagan's immortality <laughs> capsule where you'll My live for eternity is, yeah. in the Matrix, you know. Yeah. I, I think they put in I think they put in like different music. It's supposed to be like some kind of like time capsule of human culture. So I think they put in like people reading like mm, maybe Shakespeare mm-hmm. sonnets, but then also the music thing they sent into space, mm. um, like the golden record. Are you thinking of that? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. They, were, of. they sent a special record out into space so that aliens could I know learn something. Put about it on humanity. their record. But players. I, I think about mass extinction a lot, too. And the death of everything. And I, <laughs> I often think about the death of everything. I mean, why not right it's a nice thought because it centers me back on the here and now because we always think of yeah we need to leave something for the future we need to a good example is like mass extinctions like you said like the the death of the environment around us yeah if we were to somehow end life on earth like nuclear holocaust and we end life on earth in a real sense the earth would still exist right it would keep spinning around it would keep going around in a circle the rest of the universe wouldn't notice at all it would just keep happening you know so really what does it matter that life exists on earth it matters to us we're the only people who it matters to we're doing it for ourselves we're saving the planet 
for ourselves. Yeah. It's not for some broader purpose. And that's very nice because it bring, that thought brings me back to, to here and now. If you think about it that way, it's like it takes you from being like, well, what do I want to do with my life? I want to leave a mark on history and puts you more <laughs> like, well, what do I want to do with my life? I don't know. Make my day better. Make yes. other people's day better. It kind of puts you more in like the focus on like making the here and now better and making other people just being a pleasant person so that it's pleasant for everyone. Yeah. But there's actually, going back to what you were saying, there's a George Carlin bit where I think about all the time where he's like, the earth isn't going to end. Yes. Humanity's going to end. Yes. Like, the earth is just going to shake us like a bad case of fleas. I know exactly <laughs> the bit you're talking about. It's called, if you search it on YouTube, it's The Planet is Fine. Yeah. And it was a comedy bit that I heard in college that the first time I heard it, it felt like I suddenly saw the world 180 degrees different. Yeah. If I watch it now, I'm like, you know, he's not right. You know, like I don't agree with the sentiment entirely, but it's a it's a valid way to look at the world that is the total opposite. Like basically yeah. a big part of it is that like to think that when you throw a plastic bag into the woods that like nature is harmed by that is sheer arrogance. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know, a fucking bug will live in it. Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just part of the planet. The planet. That would be a very spacious house for a bug. <laughs> <laughs> that bug is living large. He's like, I was living on a stick, but now I have a whole plastic bag. This uh, is great. It's going to last forever. I'm never going to need to upgrade. No maintenance required. And like, if I watch it today i'm like this downplays the profound effect that humans can have sure. on the earth but the idea of you know he, he goes save the whales save the snails like he does yeah. some george carlin rhyming stuff that sort of <laughs> like ethos is like oh yeah there is an arrogance and a superficiality to that that doesn't take into account the fact that like we are also part of the planet and the planet will exist whether or not we it's green in the ways we happen to like yeah you know you know what i love is i just read something recently that was about how it's way more likely that we are not the most technologically advanced species to have ever existed mm -hmm. they were basically saying like it's more likely that there has been a species as evolved as us mm -hmm. and that I just makes me be like well first off you're like oh man where did they go uh, <laughs> or maybe they're around right now or you know I don't know it just opens up seven million doors I love thinking that way I just worry when people take it too seriously because there's all those equations are like very there's like the Drake equation. There's various like Maybe equations. Maybe that's that, what I read. Well, I think the Drake – I forget which what the Drake equation says. But I think it says that it's like unlikely that we'd find life. It's like what the probability it's is. It's unlikely you know? that we'll find it. But yeah. it's saying like the idea that we are the most intelligent species that has ever existed is actually unlikely mm -hmm. compared to the idea that there has been another species that's intelligent yeah. as us. It's so fascinating to think of life as just like a – just like a thing that Mutation. A, a thing that happens given the right circumstances. Yeah. It's just like everything that we are is just a very a very complex chemical reaction that needed exactly the right set of inputs and like chemicals. You know, you yeah. take a little sunlight, take a little this, take a little that, and like, oh, it makes a very complex efflorescence of activity and oh look how complex these things get and then after a while they die away again and it's yep. and it's a rock you know Cycle like that's... creation and destruction it's also fun to think too We're like, just like a petri dish i know it's also fun too to think like if the temperature had been a little different would we all be lizard people <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say life wouldn't exist but you were like no lizard people <laughs> i it want be... that scaly skin <laughs> <laughs> i want that scaly skin and two little holes for my nose <laughs> um 
like, yeah, one thing I read recently, we're doing a, a climate change episode this year. And one of the things I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to make it to the episode or not, but there's an idea that like the climate actually was like super, super random until very recently. It was like up five degrees, down five degrees, mm-hmm. up, the, the line was all up and down. Right. Yeah. And then in the last 10,000 years, for some reason, no one knows why it's stabilized. And it's been about the same for about 10,000 years. And that's been exactly when civilization flourished. Right? And then we're going to all of a sudden, if the climate starts deciding to, you know, seesaw around a bit. Shake us bye off like bye. a bunch of fleas. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem crazy. with climate change is not just that it's getting warmer. It's that it's like going to make the system more random. And yeah. randomness is what's bad because then it's like, oh, shit, floods, ice, heat, snow, yeah. you know, and that'll fuck up everything. But so we're just existing in this little window. This grace period. Yeah, that where it hasn't been total chaos like it's been for the fucking previous three billion years. Yeah, you know? I think about that all the time. Oh, can you imagine living through an ice age? I'd be so miserable. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, oh. it'll be so cold. I would be like, oh, I'm wearing like seven pelts and I'm still cold. And your dad's like, come on, we got to go across the land bridge. And you're like, dad, the land bridge from from Alaska to Russia is so long. Dad, I don't want to go to Russia. It's we even gotta colder chase the there. <laughs> and then penguins dance like in the DreamWorks movies probably. Mm, okay, that'd be fun. What do you, because you had said earlier that it brings you back to what you want to do in your daily life. Like what mm-hmm. animates you live? What do, what do you think animates you? What is your purpose in life? <laughs> is my question. Whoa! <laughs> what animates me would be like I guess coffee. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so probably the thing I like the most is like when you think of an idea and you feel like it's a good idea and you don't know where it came from. Whoa. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Like when you're writing and you write something and then you read what you just wrote and you're like, whoa. Where does that come from? <laughs> do you ever get that or like, are you very calculated? Uh, when I was starting to do stand-up, you have those things where you write something that you think is going to kill and you do it a bunch of times and it never works and you don't know why. And then you say something randomly and it does really well and you're like, why is that funny? Like, yeah, or just even the feeling of like when a joke comes into your head or yes. an idea comes into your head. Yes. Or like when I'm going to sleep or waking up, I have songs in my head that I don't mm-hmm. know where they come from. Whoa, Really? Yes. Is, is that, that not your, normal? Is that your experience of creativity? Is that you just have songs in your head that you don't know where they came from and you're like, well, I, I guess I'll sing this. I would uh, say my experience of creativity is trying to fall asleep, but there's a whiff of a melody in my head and then all the perspiration that goes into figuring out what that is. Yeah. But that whiff of that melody, you're like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That's what animates me is because I love that. I love when you come up with something and you're like, I don't know where that came from, man. This My brain is a weird place. <laughs> I don't know what makes any – like or like little weird connections that you're just like, oh, oh that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. I guess so. I guess my purpose is I always just want to mine my brain for whatever weird stuff is hiding in the ocean of my brain. That's so cool. So you, you feel as it. though there's hidden information in your own brain or hidden ideas that you're trying to get out. Do you feel you create them or do you find them? Cuz you are one of the most one of the one of the most creative people I know. You you write songs and you do comedy, you write sketches. There's something more special to me about having an idea come to me than 
aggressively seeking out the idea. That being said, I have to do a lot of aggressively seeking out the idea for the an idea to come to me. Does that make sense? Yes, I know what you mean. You're like so much of the time that you're trying to do creative work, you're like pushing and pushing and seeking and seeking and yeah. searching. And then it's... And then bam, the, it happens really easily. It's the thing that you didn't expect yeah. that when you're like, well, why can't I just do that again? Yeah. I always think about... Uh, I think something that's in vogue is like Zen stuff. Like, well, to do well, you have to like not try to do well at whatever it is you're I, doing. I can't relate to that. Well, it's weird. It's weird because it's like in order to let go and not try, you have to try really hard for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> is what I was thinking about today. Like now, when I do stand up, I can actually not give a shit about it. You know, mm-hmm. because I. I'm not living or dying any set every set anymore, you know. Yeah. And I used to try to feel that way when I was starting out, but it wasn't possible because I was starting out and I did care about it, you know. Yeah. I also think that like once you get to the place where you don't give a shit, um, like yeah, you earn that from hard work, but also then you still have times that are bad. Mm-hmm. You just don't give a shit, so you feel like you're at this new zen place, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so I like to. Do, I don't know. I think I recently just kind of like entered more of a freelance life, so I kind of have been asking like. What is my life's purpose? What do I want to do? Mostly to my cats in the morning. (laughs) And they say, feed me. Do you have an an answer to that that question? Well, that's what I think it is. It's like I really, really like being creative. I like getting smarter. I like committing my brain to getting smarter, creating new connections and Mm -hmm. whatnot. I'm sure it sounds very basic, but like I like having a nice interaction with someone at the supermarket and knowing that we're both walking away being like, that was a nice interaction. <laughs> I just like, I mean, that being said, some days I'm certainly in a shit mood and I'm just like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Don't look at me. But that's usually like if I have like a big pimple on my face or something and then I'm like, don't look at me. I want to be invisible. But I also thought I was like an introvert for a really long time. And then I took a test and found I was an extrovert. And then I found out <laughs> I'm an extroverted introvert extrovert. But then I started to think about it. And so I guess people also, I really like people. I didn't yeah. realize, I thought I was like, oh, I'm a shy person. But I realize I really like people, but sometimes I can be shy at first. But when I have my people, then I, you know, that's what amps me up. Hey, you got to like people. They're so interesting. There's like, I do. people are like the most. I want to stare at them all the time. I love staring <laughs> at people. I want everyone to just, I want to sit down with everyone and then they just like tell me their life story for a little bit. Sometimes I think it's like, uh, when I go, you go to nature and you're like, nature's the best, right? Yeah. And you're like, I got to have nature. Nature's the most important thing. And you're like, oh, nature's going away. <laughs> and that's so sad, right? But then other times I'm like, and, and more often I'm like, people are like the best things in the universe. Yeah. Like, people are so interesting. They make music. Yeah. <laughs> they like, if I think of all of the uh, sublime, incredible experiences I've had in my life, they were created by people. Yeah. Like The Room, you know the movie The Room by Tommy Wiseau? That movie, when I saw it, I felt like the gates of possibility opened. (laughs) Like I felt like the world could contain more interesting, strange things. I didn't think something that like that could exist in the universe. Yeah. And it was created by a person. You know, like a person made it. Yeah. And so people are... I think we're just really cool computers. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, mm. I mean, I don't know if like the world is a computer simulation. Again, going back to apocalyptic scenarios, (laughs) if it's a computer simulation, a I want to find out in my lifetime because I would love to see that go down because I think everyone (laughs) would lose their minds. But I wouldn't be disappointed because already we're just like little biological computers. 
kind of well I don't mean to be like you uh, can poo poo all over the, my ideas the fact they're that, all half baked anyways by the way not a lot of people know this the entire dynamic of Adam ruins everything where I say stuff and then I get made fun of by people I wrote in you and Murph making fun of me and being like ugh this is annoying because I felt like that's what you guys were going to say in real life and I wanted it to be in the script and have you guys make fun of me in the script so you couldn't do it in the writer's room. And it's because I do shit like this where people say things like you just said, there's a wonderful, interesting point. And then I go, kind of. And then I've got my uh-huh. own bullshit contradiction. But so. you got to understand, though, that like, like I said before, I just throw shit at the wall. So I'm like, people <laughs> yeah. are biological computers. Yeah. I probably thought that one time while I was like taking a shit and then have never questioned <laughs> it, have never probed deeper. I've just been like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, flesh is just like fleshy computer parts. Well, so there's a thing <laughs> apparent, uh, that I read a while ago about how people throughout history have always felt that the human mind is like whatever technology is in vogue at the time. So like right now, everyone's mm-hmm. like, Brains are like computers, but like okay. 50 years ago, they were like, brains are like telephone networks. And then 50 years before that, they were like, brains are like offices or something. But you know? um, all of those things are like each other, too. I guess what I'm trying true. to say is we're just a system. We are, yes. A computer is an we informational system. system. Yes. We're an informational system. Yes. Maybe that's just like a way of saying like, we're just like all processing information. Yes. We're all, and we're, it's fun to see what comes out. That's very true. So you enjoy like observing yourself and seeing what you do? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> I mean, I certainly enjoy observing myself, but I also really enjoy observing other people. Mm, yeah. I guess, like, I kind of want to live through an end-of-time scenario just so I can see <laughs> what goes down. Because I feel like there's going to be, like, cults and, yes. like, people who just start murdering. That's, and That's why I, I think People that's... who just start fucking. <laughs> That'll be the camp I'm in. Sign me up. I'll be the counselor of that camp. I'll raise my hand for camp fuck. <laughs> I want to be in Camp Fug. <laughs> Fuckers over here. Killers, I be, you go over there. If it's end of times, I'm doing like straight up Bacchanalian cult. It's like <laughs> we just fucking drink red wine, you know? I always got fascinated by like Scientology and other like weird religious movements like that because I'm always interested in like how do people work and what is it that they do and how did they get themselves in this scenario? Like it yeah. is the most fascinating thing to try to understand people. Yeah. There's all these people who are always like, yeah, I mean, like, we descended from apes, you know, look at what the apes do. But I'm kind of like, I think we're the more interesting species. Yeah, well, people are like, bonobos are like, you should, we should all be like bonobos. Yeah. And it's so, like, we are. We all masturbate. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Bonobos don't compose panano. Paninis. They don't compose paninis. <laughs> Possibly the greatest human achievement. <laughs> Have you ever seen a fresh pressed panini? <laughs> Pure poetry. (laughs) I was trying to say the most (laughs) snobby thing. Like, they don't compose piano sonatas. And I fucked it up immediately and said, Panano. (laughs) Panano, which is a tiny panini. (laughs) Our whole ethics should be, like, human-centered. I think when people are about, like, the environmental movement, it should be about, we want things to be, like, good for people. Like, people are, animals are I think it's okay to prioritize that. It's like every species has got to look out for itself to a certain extent. And, yes, once you're the species on top, which, like, Oh, we are. <laughs> no offense. Except for if we were in the ocean, we would not be the species on top. No, we'd be. In the ocean, no. we are chum. Well, wait, hold on a second. We're, yeah, we're not an ocean species, but it's incredible that we're a land species that even goes in the ocean. How many species do that? That's extremely. You've never seen a whale just like walk up and get a Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. Humans are, I think humans are like, we're the best species. It's we're like a top dog right now. And yes, you need to be a compassionate top dog. Yes. But you also got to look out for your own kind. Well, we're also the ones that do the most interesting things and yeah. create the most things of value. Like it's, uh, uh, you I know, I wish art I could and... get my cats to make art. I feel like they could. <laughs> <gasps> I just have to like tape some crayons on them. <laughs> if I tape some crayons on them and then just set them loose on top of like a canvas. Yo, yo, wait, wait. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because it's not that cats create art with the paint. What you need is to create cats that appreciate art. <laughs> That's the real good. That's when you really have created cats that are as good as humans. Because it's not the making of the physical representation. Wow. It's the labeling of it as something that is art that wow. is unique to humanity. Damn. So what we need is cats that aggregate the art. Okay. So a cat with an Instagram that they run based on their taste. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm talking to Emily Axford. We're going to go to a commercial break and be right back. I'm Dave Holmes, and if you've been missing my show, International Waters, then you've been missing this. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about owls, yes. they Will are wise. Yes. Two things. They are wise. <laughs> yes. They love nightclubs. They, all, they wear tiny graduation motorboards, and they love nightclubs. <laughs> they also do the best double takes of all birds of prey. <laughs> and if you slow it down, they actually go... <laughs> International Waters, a panel show where U.S. and U.K. comedians battle for pop culture supremacy. Subscribe right now on iTunes or at MaximumFun.org. And we are back with Emily Axford. To get back, because I, I like the topic of, of the life's purpose. It's I like the life's purpose. That sounds like Garth from Wayne's World. I like <laughs> the life's purpose. It's such a fundamental thing. You're conscious, you know, mm -hmm. you're moving around, and then you're like, well, what the fuck am I doing with this amount of time that I have? Because I feel very strongly that I'm like, okay, I feel very motivated to make shit better. Zooming out all the way to the eventual heat death of the universe and all life dying. Heat right? death, boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But fine, whatever. Brings me back to today. And so this is what matters is today and the here and now. And yeah. so I said, okay, the goal is to make the, you know, the earth and the, the environment around me like better in the time that we have. And that's the world that matters. Right. And then I spend a whole lot of energy doing that. But then I war between that and just having an immediately pleasant life. Like, I know people who are, their whole worldview is just like, hey, none of this fucking matters, so I'm just going to, like, have a good time, you know? Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be shitty. I'm just going to try to live a life that's worth living, a life full of good experiences. And I'm like, well, I can't really argue with that, but I have trouble assigning value to it. Here's what I say to that, is that, like, the hedonistic view, which mm -hmm. is, like, just living for life's pleasures, so many of life's pleasures are suck the next day <laughs> so it's like if i was like a straight up hedonist and just did the immediate pleasure stuff i would be hung over the next day mm -hmm. i would get full i would be like yeah. oh, i ate too much pizza and i feel like shit so it's kind of like learning how to enjoy the vegetables so mm -hmm. that then you still feel good the next day but you can also enjoy it while you're doing it you know yeah does that make sense when you like 
finally learn how to make like a good Brussels sprouts recipe. <laughs> and then you look forward to eating that. So you're living, you're having pleasure in the moment, but then you also like yes. are healthy. Yes. It doesn't like destroy you to have fun. Yes, true. You're doing the thing that has value to yourself and to the world around you, but is also fun and pleasant yeah. and not so. Yeah, because a lot of times that point of view is like nihilistic. Like, it doesn't fucking matter, man. And but then like, I'm like, you're going to regret that. If it doesn't matter, then you'll get wasted drunk drive, be in jail, and then life will suck more than ever. Yeah. But, I mean, you do have to, like, work to learn that Brussels sprout recipe, though. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And it's hard, and not not everybody can do it. Well, it's not that hard. You just chop them in half, and you roast them ovens 450 degrees for, like, half an hour. You're done. Yeah, you want to put some butter in there. No butter. butter. Not olive oil? Ghee. (laughs) Ghee? Ghee, bitch. The, The Indian butter. Yeah. They call it clarified butter. But it, I would call it just butterier butter. <laughs> it does taste butterier. So I think there's a way to be hedonistic, but be smart about your hedonism. And to, at the same time, to like make sure I still do interesting things. And, you yeah. know, because otherwise your brain turns to mush and you don't have fun anymore. But if you like go do something, like go on a hike or yes. something else, then all of a sudden you come back to your work and you're like, oh, my work is fun. Go on a hike. Got, I know, hikes are so boring, I just suddenly right? got the sense that this is like a life coaching session for me. You're just like, go on a hike. Yeah, but I don't even like hikes. <laughs> I want to like hikes. I want to I want to camp and go hiking, but mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to camp because I'm scared of serial killers. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't need to camp. I really like being outside a lot. I uh-huh. don't like bringing my shit I don't like planning and I don't like <laughs> living in the woods, you know. I like staying in a cabin, you know. Yeah. But there's no virtue to camping. Like, it's good to oh, be outside. No. It's good to go on a hike. But when you're camping, you're basically just spending $1,000 at REI and building yourself a little space suit that you take out <laughs> full of garbage, right? It's, like, made of plastic and, like, rods, yeah. all these things that break down, all these things you got to throw out, you know? Yeah. And you're using it to, like, let's see how long I can make it by using up all this money, and yeah. before I have to go back to my normal area. Like, it's not actually a commendable thing to do. Yeah, not to mention it's just, like, uh, you're going to have a terrible night of sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. number one priority in my life, getting a good <laughs> night of sleep. That's another thing I live for. Oh, good night of sleep. Oh, I need to get one of those good mattresses. <laughs> I've been sleeping on the same. My mattress is, like, seven years old. I have also been focusing on, like, I need to get a lot of sleep. Eight hours, man. Uh, fuck it. I need oh, it, right? Yeah. But don't you kind of feel like you're just sort of choosing to be dead longer? No, <laughs> like because what you're, you're doing, what you're doing is you're choosing to be healthy. Oh, yeah. To hopefully increase the quality of the rest of your life. Or you should just start lucid dreaming so that you can be <laughs> using your dreaming. Oh, God. I've only done it once or twice. You have? Was, yeah. I've never oh. flown in a dream. So when I lucid dream the first time the first thing i did was fly really yeah because i'd never done it before That's i've what, never done it since isn't that the thing everyone wants to do when they lucid dream is no fly? i think everyone just like goes around and having sex with whoever that is want, totally what i would which do. i also did <laughs> boom <laughs> can, I, can I tell you, this is like, I think the truest thing I can say about me as a boyfriend uh-huh. <laughs> like in a relationship with a wonderful woman. Um, and she's the coolest. She's the coolest. I think she's the coolest. Everything she's the coolest. She's the best. We've been together seven years. And here's the thing. It almost goes without saying. I know I could never cheat on her in any mm-hmm. way, right? It's impossible for me. And one of the ways that I know is that when I have sex dreams, 
during the sex stream, I feel guilty for cheating on her in the sex stream, even at a kiss or something like that. Like when I kiss the person <laughs> in the sex stream, I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this. And I leave. And that's as far as I get. I get to the point of the first kiss and I say, I can't do this. And then in the dream, I go and I tell her that I did it. <laughs> and then I've woken up and I've told her, I've said to her, look, hey, I had a sex dream last night. And she said, she's like, oh. I have one every night. She said, you can have sex with other people in your dreams. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> But also, it's like, not in real life. And then it's like, oh, you are such a cool girlfriend <laughs> that you said it's okay to have sex dreams. But I still can't do it. I've never once had one. For a long time, my sex dreams, I have had sex dreams to completion. <laughs> um, but Whoa. for a long time, all my, my sex dreams are always interrupted. So the sex mm. dream is always starting to have the sex that gets interrupted. Yeah. So I think that sex dreams are maybe there for frustration. I read one. I don't remember where, but it's stuck with me ever since. It's common across all dreams that actions and dreams never complete which is why dreams are so frustrating it's like when you're on the run from something in the dream you never get away when you're trying to get to something in the dream you never actually get there it's it's always taken away from you or you're searching forever and the human brain is so complicated it's almost impossible to figure out what a dream might represent or you know might have to do with any kind of neurological process but it is a common thing across like nearly all dreams that like the thing never happens the thing that you're trying to do never occurs wow it's kind of a metaphor for all dreams right Uh, uh, just never happens i'm never gonna be an elephant (laughs) your aspiration is to be an elephant when i was a kid it was like i don't know doesn't everyone go through a phase when they're a kid when they're like what i'm gonna be when i grow up is animal Mm, did uh, you never go through that I no I don't, I don't know that I, I think did when I, I thought when everyone was a kid they had an animal that they attached to yeah. and they thought someday they would be part of that herd no I never did let's see what animal would it have I don't know why I chose elephant I don't even give a shit about elephants now <laughs> but when I was a kid it was like yep what would, that's what my would dream it, what would it have, I'm trying to figure out what, what did you want to be when you were a kid oh god I don't know what did I want to be I remember I, I wanted to be an actress or an elephant but Let's obviously see. I ended up being an actress, but I gave up on the actress thing like probably oh. like a year later because I was like, oh, actresses are like. The earliest people. thing I can remember wanting to be was a computer programmer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible. Oh, my God. So on brand. <laughs> Always on brand. I wanted to make video games and stuff like that. Oh, I used yeah. to want to write video game music. Yeah. Oh, really? You know, oh, I have a whole album of video game music. That you made? Yeah. That's amazing. I came up with a fake video game. Really? I, wait, no, I didn't know this. I didn't tell you about this? No, okay. never. I, I conceived of a world called Space Bears. This was a long time ago. <laughs> it was called Space Bears. And the idea was this planet, it was kind of like a story of isolationism. Um, mm-hmm. So these Space Bears, their planet was hibernating mm-hmm. because they had various other planets and species that were invading. So the bears are who like you would play and they're like the quote unquote good guys. And their planet was in a current state of hibernation. But then there was cyber pigs who were the imperialists. So they wanted to come to. This is all to explain the music. All you actually made was the album. But when you're like, I made this album. Let me explain. (laughs) I had this. See, dreams, they never ever complete themselves. I had a dream that someone would like hear the music and then be like, oh, I know how to make video games and then make it. Yeah. But yeah, so then the the Robocrocs were the capitalists, I think. Wow. And then there was. The political structure of the whole system. Yes. And then there was moon coons, which are raccoons from the moon. 
Um, not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't need to bring up what we're all clocking here. <laughs> all right. Okay, there was the moon you know, raccoons. Na- Let's call them that. Yes. And they were scavengers. Mm. So they were sort of like a neutral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here's the thing. You haven't actually yet described the video game itself. <laughs> Just the different factions. I don't know, but there was like three different battle songs. <laughs> so can I currently hear the Yes, the album? you can. Oh, my God. It's on archive.org somewhere. That's where I used to put my music under the name Sierra Needle. I'll send it to you. I I listened to to it recently and I thought it was very good. (laughs) Video game music is so, is like really something that you attach to. You know, I walked down the aisle to the um, opera house music from Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. Yes. not singing lyrics is there aren't lyrics <laughs> it's just a synthesized super nintendo chip going <laughs> but i also know like all the lyrics because yes. i used to have the did you ever do this too. did you ever do this with video games that you would have one game saved to a certain space that so mm-hmm. that you could always go back to that part of the video mm-hmm. game yes, yes that's what i did with the opera house so anytime i wanted to listen to it i could just go back yeah. So I had one game that was always saved there. That was such an amazing scene. That game was really like... Oh, made me cry. Yeah, it really did. I played it maybe two or three times. I should play it again as an adult. It really worked so well. Final Fantasy VII, everybody loved, and it was crazy and distracted and, and didn't have yeah. the same... You know, all the characters had different focuses. Every character in that game had their own theme song. Yeah, uh, it's it, beautiful. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Don't you also... You play instruments and things? I only play them for the point of like writing music with them, which is not... It's not because I'm arrogant and I think I'm too good. I just don't have time to, like, really get good at it. But I play the flute and the clarinet and the piano and the ukulele. See, I I wish I played the guitar, but... Damn, that hurts my fingers. Yeah, you got it takes you got to really got to gear up, you know. And also, I just feel like my hands aren't strong enough. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of strength. I really admire that because, like, I loved playing music in high school and college, and I I taught myself to play the guitar. I got up to playing like you know nine or ten chords or yeah. whatever, and I, I would write. Oh, I've seen you at a camp house. <laughs> just pick up that guitar. Do, do, yeah, I'm, I'm you now play? your average thirty three year old guy who can <laughs> play his three songs. He what used are to your play. three songs? Let's see. I can play. Uh, Don't think twice. It's all right. I can finger pick okay. that very nicely. Ooh. And then I play like two magnetic field songs, and then a couple oh, songs that cute. I that I wrote in college. But at the time, I was like, I really liked doing it, and I kind of wanted to like keep doing it. But I had this voice in my head going like, "Who are you kidding? You're never going to get that good at that." Yeah. And then when I think back on it, in college, I was as good at music as I was at comedy. You know, like yeah. I was also. Not great. If I look at the shit I was doing then, it wasn't like amazing or anything. It was just for whatever reason, comedy I kept going with. Maybe there were less people trying to do it and you got made fun of less for trying. You uh-huh. know? But I ended up giving up music and I wish I had just kept it up as a hobby, you know? Yeah, of course. It's my dream that I would get to write video game music. But I'm never going to be able to. But I just have to think to myself, like, I'm getting out some creative cobwebs. Like, yeah. it serves me even if it's not it does, obvious. It does serve you. I mean, that's one of the things I admire about uh, about my girlfriend Lisa is that she's always doing different types of creativity. You know, she's does like she? – she takes ceramic classes and she's started horseback riding and she, you know, plays the piano and she does these things. And she will do it for a while and will get a lot of creative juice out and, yeah. you know, grow in a different direction. And all those things end up serving her. You know, it yeah. sort of goes back into her other work and I, and I really admire 
admire that like creatively because I've been so focused on doing like the one thing that I do for a long time. Uh, something that really bugs me is that when people shame other people for being creative, like, and it was kind of a cliche joke for a while, was like, oh, guitar guy at the party is here. <laughs> like, oh, you know, the party's over when the guy brings out his guitar. But I used to make those jokes myself, and they would bother me a little bit. And then I realized, it's like, why are we fucking making fun of someone for trying to share the gift of music and unite us all in song? Like, I okay, I gotta say, I agree with you that, like, people shouldn't be shamed for being creative. Like, if we're talking about, you know, people doing, like, a painting and wine class or something, we shouldn't belittle that. But, like, guy with the guitar at the party is, like, just trying to get laid. <laughs> Okay. The amount of times that, like, I've seen, like, a guy try and, like, get some pussy points for, like, knowing how to play Dashboard Confessionals, like, I don't think it's about sharing a gift as much as, like, (laughs) sharing, like... The herpes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't even mean, I don't know. I just feel like, but there's a stigma that prevents people from trying. Yeah. And that's totally a thing that happens. It like is a way of telling people to not draw attention to themselves and to not, you know, instead, let's all listen to the music that we bought, you know, or but, that. But you know, what's also kind of funny is like the way that we give people safe ways to be creative like magnetic poetry yes yes or adult it's, coloring books are a new yeah one. Yes. and it's like no no no. you can do better than that like you yes. don't need those training wheels like magnetic poetry i don't know why i shouldn't have a stigma against it but if i see it at someone's house i'm just like <laughs> yeah I, you don't need this yes Yes. I mean, I'm sure it's always a Christmas gift, but I just want to be like, just write your own poetry. <laughs> you can work with more than 17 words. I mean, unless they got like a really sick, like dirty phrase up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's like the that's whole point. That's all it's ever being used for. <laughs> yeah. It's like the dirtiest phrase they can concoct. That's what's, that's what's fun. You make the little thing. But... They must make magnetic poetry that's like just the dirty words. <laughs> I'm 100% sure yeah. that they do. But then it's like, oh, what? We need training wheels to help us write dirty magnetic yeah. poetry? jokes we need magnetic poetry full of jokes it's just training wheels on training wheels which is i have just described cards against humanity that is all (laughs) i was thinking that too i'm like like apples to apples i like because it's like it's not feeding you a punchline yes it's feeding you just words and then you put them together but cards against humanity is like it's not just like putting together two words that don't mean anything. It's putting together dead baby on something else. Yes, exactly. It's the dead baby joke of board games. Yeah. And look, as a comedian, I'm like, oh, this is like for people who aren't funny to feel funny, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's my cynical, and I'm not proud of that feeling, you know, where, yeah, where I'm no, like, I know. but I do feel that way. And the other hand, I'm like, oh, shouldn't everyone get to make their friends laugh? <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, but I'm also like, honestly, if you want to play Cards Against Humanity, you'll have a better time if you just like, Get a blank thing of cards and then make all of your own cards. And you can put all your own punchlines in there. Yes. And you won't have any dead baby jokes because no one <laughs> needs to make a single other dead baby joke unless it's me, in which case it's probably really funny. But what about like a big black dick joke? That, yeah, that's, that's not same, over. the same no, thing? No, that's not over. It's the same I thing. I feel like that would still surprise me. Let's try to get really big. For one big and deep, yeah. For one last question, like a know. big black dick. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe we never. Maybe we're never gonna get back. Maybe we're no, never no, gonna I get back to that it. place. I can do it. We started the, with the conversation in such we we the, started so no, philosophical. Normally, conversations start small and they get big. This is the absolute obvious. This conversation is <laughs> collapsing like a black hole. Down, it started us talking about death and like mass extinctions, and now we're just like cars against humanity sucks. <laughs> 
It's a bad game. But it does. But you know what? That is the cycle of the universe. The expansion <laughs> oh, and the collapse. There you go. Yeah. Creation and destruction. It's true. And like all like all podcasts, this one is destined to start large and then come down to a very tiny point, f- collapse into its own density, and then explode again explode in two again. weeks when we're back <laughs> on the air at MaximumFun.org. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, it's Adam back again, now by myself. I hope you had as much fun listening to that conversation as I had having it. It was, frankly, the most delightful part of my week. And, uh, yeah, that was that. And just a reminder, all new episodes of Adam Ruins Everything are back August 23rd on True TV. It's going to be amazing. Now, August 23rd, that seems a long time from now. What are you going to do until then? Well, the podcast is going to be back every two weeks. You can follow me at Adam Conover on Twitter. You can also check out clips and full episodes of the show at TrueTV.com slash Adam Ruins Everything or on the True TV app. Our producer is Shara Morris. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.